Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined as always by... This is Big Kurt. Big Kurt, you on Twitter? Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. We very much appreciate you listening, downloading, and sharing. Numbers up. Keep them going. We're at week 11, which is crazy, but let's keep let's keep the numbers going strong. Yes, please. All right. Share. Let's get right into housekeeping. Housekeeping. No, thank you. Sleeping. Housekeeping. All right, some good news. Let's start with some good news here. Minnesota head coach P.J. Fleck signs a contract extension through 2026. You know what that means for me and you up here in Minnesota? We're going to be... There's a lot more boats and a lot more <laughs> rowing in our future. And, and these are uh, nicer boats with, with diamond-encrusted oars. Yeah, he's, he's upgrading um, his, his boats. Why? Well, according to TwinCities.com, seven years, $33 million, average of $4.6 million a year, which makes him the seventh highest coach in the Big Ten, bumps his buyout from $4 million up to $10 million in the first year. That goes back down to four and a half in year two, and then eventually down to three and two. But more importantly, adds one point zero five million per year for his assistance. Which, if you don't have good assistance, you don't have good coaching. That is a so big deal. That's a huge deal, and adds another two hundred k on top of that in twenty twenty one. So good, good deal for PJ. Is this a better deal for PJ Fleck or Heather Fleck? Hmm. <laughs> she got that money spent already, you think? <laughs> She's probably got a few things earmarked, I'm guessing. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, it. Uh, I'm curious to know. I, I would love to know how this was behind the scenes in any contract negotiation. You know, Flying PJ, the wall would be fantastic. It would right? be fantastic because obviously there is pressuring going on. You have to wonder if the Florida State opening cause the the oh it's got the contract talks to speed up between minnesota and yeah Florida. i mean it's got to put pressure on minnesota administration right oh right crap. but but was there actually any interest with pj fleck at florida state or another school that's what Did, you never know like because a lot of that stuff just gets floated by their agent right and just to get more money from the current institution. So then does does said AD have to check around and say, is this accurate? Is this See, that's school, what I want that to school know. really interested in my coach? And, and again, I'm trying to compare this to any contract negotiation yep. that goes on. There's obviously some truth to some of these rumors that sure. coaches are, you know, rumored for other places. So it's not like it's all BS, but they also can't all be true. Either. No. And I wonder, how do you find out? Like, can he call the AD of Florida State? Hey, are you really talking to PJ? And would even, he's not going to. Right. Why would he say if he is or not? And even then, this is a contract. But like you pointed out, the buyout clause dramatically drops down within so a that, year or two. That's so. the most interesting part for me. They bump that up, which is really important because not many teams or, or, or schools are going to just pay $10 million just for the right to hire a guy. But $4 million? okay, maybe they're thinking about it. I don't think Florida State, from what I've read, is in a great financial place right now. So I can't see them doing 10 if that's true. But, yeah, yeah. it's interesting that it drops right back down to 4.5. And, and the other thing, too, is along with timing, they are 8-0. No, obviously, that has a lot to do with it. We wouldn't be having these contract talks if he was 4-4 four and four at this point. Right. Um, and I, I don't mean to be PJ Devil's advocate, but if they finish the year – nine and three, which would be, I would say, a little bit of a disappointment for sure. Like at. right now, you're probably looking at 10 and two, right? Something you look at like the schedule, that. you're thinking, OK, 10 and two. But my point I'm trying to make is what happens if 
would have been harder for him to get a contract like this if they finished nine and three. If you mean doing, after the year if they'd finished nine? I would yeah, say but, yeah, probably a okay. little bit. Yeah. So, so you you get the contracts going. Sure. When, when the time is hot. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, it's interesting stuff. Congrats, me. PJ. All right, injuries. This is the bad news. Oh, I did it again, man. You did. You mushed him. I mushed. Indiana quarterback Michael Penix Jr. shoulder surgery out for the year. There you go. I I formally apologize to all Hoosier fans. That's my fault. It's a rough one. I'm taking that one. Yeah. All right. Uh, Michigan State linebacker Joe Bocci. Woo. Suspended for the rest of the year. Officially. For okay. PEDs. It is PEDs. Is that what they call? Is that Performance like. Performance and drugs. Right. But is that snake oil? Is that what snake oil is in East Lansing? It's just PEDs? We have heard rumors. There's something in the snake oil. Yeah. We've, we've heard rumors before. When I say we, I mean other uh, fan bases not located in East Lansing. Okay. <laughs> you. But I, but I, I mean, I've seen this stuff before, but. When it's not substantiated, you know, retweeting it, putting it out there, I don't, I don't know. It's not really worth it to me. But yeah, this isn't I mean, the first time I've heard this. Is what I would say. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Moving right along, Michigan State wide receiver Daryl Stewart leg out versus Illinois. Their center Matt Allen. He's maybe the best offensive lineman they have. He's out too. Crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. Um. Th- that Tough those are times in East Oh lord. I mean, those are three huge people to lose. I mean, your heart and soul, your defense, the anchor of your offensive line. And, and your biggest your offensive weapon. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. terrible. Yeah. Uh, Purdue quarterback Jack Plummer, ankle injury, out versus Northwestern. That ends injuries. Now, here is a quick quiz. Oh, okay. On this date, November 6th, we're recording, in 1869, what happened? Oh, first football, collegiate football game the between Rutgers and Princeton, right? Very good. Who yeah. won? I'm going to say Rutgers. Rutgers won 6-4 to four in New Brunswick. Now, this you may not know. All this is from Rutgers.edu. Three years prior to that, Princeton had humiliated Rutgers in baseball, 40-2. to two. That's tough to do. <laughs> That's a tough one to take. So, you know, Rutgers took their lumps, and they, they bided their time. They organized a football team, which is just – that was a sport that was just getting started. Yeah. Turns out, so was Princeton. So Rutgers challenged them to a football contest to – to seek revenge. Okay. So there's 25 players per side, right? Each score was called a game back then. It was worth one point. So six to four was actually a fairly high-scoring game, game. Okay. By, by today's standards. The field was 360 by 225 feet, 24-foot wide goals. You could use your hands, but it was mostly, it sounds like mostly feet, but you couldn't carry the ball either. You had to, like, hit the ball with your hands. So it sounds like kind of soccer with hands, basically. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that part. Yeah. I mean, I knew it looked more like a rugby scrum more and more. It's the way I interpreted it. You could not carry the ball. All they said, you could strike the ball. That was the only thing they really – with your hand. or they, You could strike it with your hand or your foot. Um, here's another one you probably didn't know. They would play again one week later, and Princeton would win eight to nothing. So with two teams playing football in the entire country, both at one and one, this was the first disputed national championship. <laughs> That's hilarious. And but just like uh, the second person that walked on the moon, the only thing anybody remembers is the first one. That's so, right. So Rutgers got in when they had to get in. Yeah, uh, b- poor Buzz Aldrin turns around for a sip of tang, and boom, God. there goes there goes Neil Armstrong. <laughs> Nobody cares. All right. Are you ready to talk about the next next oh, man, I'm, topic? I'm jacked for this. <laughs> this is what I've been looking forward to all day. Yep. 
So, obviously, it is Kurt's favorite topic, the college football playoff rankings. Uh, now moving forward, just like that, whoosh, the AP and coaches' polls mean literally nothing. Yep. They, they, it switches on a dime. Um, and, we, and we use it for, my, for our, uh, our rankings ourselves when we get into the games. I'm using the college football playoff rankings because you have to. That's, that's how it goes now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's the only ranking. Right? So, um, obviously, we're going to look at these with a Big Ten football spin to it. First up, how about that? The Big Ten, two teams in the top four, Ohio State at one, Penn State at four, and, of course, we got two SEC teams at two and three with LSU and Alabama, and just for rounding out the top five and six, we got Clemson at five, Georgia at six. Any thoughts right off the top of your head? Yeah, first off, how surprised were you that Ohio State was number one? Only semi surprised. I was I was a little surprised. Just a it little. just seems like most of the media was really, you know, stumping for LSU. Um, Didn't you think? Yeah. Well, I mean, this gets us right into the you know four letter network conversation. But, but it's, even it's stumping all over the place. But I would say hold even, on, even non four letter network I agree. people. I agree. There was it, it seemed like the most popular choice. Well, for four letter networks, they're stumping. For non four letter networks, I think they just make the assumption that that's what it was going to be LSU at one. Yeah. Right. So maybe it's not, maybe they're saying these aren't my picks. This is what this I, is what I think, think it's going to be. Yeah, maybe and, that. and I wouldn't have, it wouldn't bother me at all. If LSU was number one, they've got a right to it. They've got well. some they've quality got wins, quality wins. They obviously have looked really good all year. I just think when you compared the quality of schedule from top to bottom, and then how dominant Ohio State has looked. One of the biggest stats that I saw, so Ohio State's best wins are against the number 13 and number 20-ranked teams. Okay. The total in those two games, 80-7. to seven. Oof. LSU's best two wins are against number 10 and 11. Mm-hmm. The total in those two games, 65-48. to 48. Yeah. They had two close games, whereas Ohio State's wins over ranked teams – absolutely killed them yeah and i think that's what i think that's what the what the uh committee looked at well i do think i mean if you look at you know any any metric offensive defense if you look across the board and then margin of victory i think ohio state is clearly the number one i do i do too um i would say the offensive metrics are very similar between the two but the defensive metrics ohio state absolutely takes a jump up but ironically buckeye fans may have wanted actually to for lsu to be number one because the first team to be ranked in the first college football ranking has yet to win a national championship Mm, okay so that's a thing so what how what about penn state how surprised were you that they cracked the top four a little bit more surprised with penn state um i thought they'd just you know, Clemson would just get the spot sure. in the top four because of the name on the front of their jersey. But good on the college football committee. They're I, looking at quality of wins. So there's at least some continuity in what they say, you know, I a mean, little it, bit. But, but then if they, they have Alabama three, Clemson down at five, Alabama hasn't beat a ranked there you go. opponent. Yep. And neither has Clemson, I don't believe. Right. And but Clemson had a close win against North Carolina, so I guess they're counting that against them. Um, Another one, they say that, like, okay, Minnesota versus Alabama. I know uh, there's a big difference here, but um, so they've improved from game one till now, right? Every game. So are they taking into account, like, what the team is right now at this moment, or are they, like, considering – 
Because they're not who they were against SDSU right now. No. So I don't know. I don't think anybody knows the answer. Um, I think we got two conversations going on. So the first one would be Alabama compared to Clemson. And Mm -hmm. I I would say compared to Penn State as well. Okay. What I don't understand, and this is what I believe Danny Cannell pointed out, is why is it that uh, Alabama gets the three spot and Clemson doesn't right or or another way why did alabama get put in front of penn state penn state's resume far outseeds exceeds what what alabama could put on absolutely there. so so why did they get third well okay I, you can't answer that no you, you can't because you, can't. you know what it is it's an eyeball test thing okay but what is eyeball test that's what it's uh, basically history matters right correct and if you want to and, strip- and, and who the team is matters in that and brand matters that's what i'm getting to so but is the alabama brand i mean it's bigger than penn state but penn state's got a pretty big brand yep i i don't think people would have gone nuts had penn state been third because they could have looked at and said look at their wins and it would have made a difference to them right I don't know. I it. This is what, okay. Now hold on. I want to go back though. I I know you. It's, now we go. No, I've got Minnesota notes written down here. I just don't think comparing Minnesota to Alabama and I, up in the top five is the vernacular we, we want to compare it to. Okay, that that's fine. But what I I'm trying to make a point here. Why doesn't the committee just say recruiting matters? <laughs> I just want to hear him say it. I know it matters to certain podcasters and and uh, bloggers and everything. Yes, it matters a big deal. I test is but that's the translation. If you strip I test down to to its barest bones, recruiting matters is what they're saying. The caliber of athlete that we see on our TV screen is what matters to us. One hundred percent. That's what they're saying. And I, you can't say that it doesn't matter. I know it matters. I just want to hear them say it. I know they just don't say it. (laughs) It is weird. It's 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 weird. Yeah. yeah, so then uh, the rounding out the rest of the Big Ten, right? Uh, Wisconsin, 13, right in front of the team they beat, Michigan, at 14. Uh, Minnesota at 17, and Iowa at 18. Well, let's so, talk about that position, 17. Yeah. That's insanely low. A crazy slap in the face, I think. So something that I think has been interesting is the the common reaction to fans in all of the Twitter sphere is relax, Minnesota. You've got big games in front of you. You got a chance to prove it, but they got more ground to make up. Is that okay? Is that accurate? Yes. But the thing is (laughs) any fan base that is put in Minnesota's (laughs) shoes would be going nuts. Just like Gopher fans would. So stop with your grandstanding other fan bases. You would be just as annoyed as, as Minnesota. And here's another thing. They're 17. Baylor, also another kind of team that's not getting respected, is five spots above them at 12, Yep. also at 8. No. Now, I agree with Baylor being ahead of Minnesota because they've got a little bit better wins Quality than wins. Minnesota does. But how, how do, do you, you put five spots? I don't and get here's, it. Here's the other thing. So there are six teams, six teams with two losses in front of Minnesota. <laughs> Florida, Auburn, Wisconsin, <laughs> yeah. Michigan, Notre Dame, in Kansas State, all in front of, of Minnesota. And, okay, so Kansas State, they beat they beat Oklahoma, right? Had uh, you ever looked at what their best win is after that? I, I did. I've got uh, Nickel State, Bowling Green, Mississippi State. All those teams are bad, by the way. Kansas, awful. Not awful, but bad. TCU is their best win. 
outside of okay. that. Okay. So apparently that lone Oklahoma win is enough to catapult them up in front of Minnesota. Wow. But I want to point out, they've lost two games. Right. Minnesota has lost zero. I can understand one, but zero? Two, or two, two losses to zero? Yeah. Here's another thing that I just could not help but point out. Okay. Comparing again, of, of course, regional biases that we're talking about with this, because this yep. is this is the part. Let's say South Carolina, okay? Okay. Let's say South Carolina, because Minnesota played uh, South Dakota State, Fresno State, and Georgia Southern out of conference, okay? Just as easily, South Carolina could play those three teams, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's say South Carolina played and beat South Dakota State, Fresno State, and Georgia Southern. Okay, so they had identical records. Then they beat Missouri, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, Arkansas, and Kentucky to get to eight zero. Okay, do you honestly think they would be sitting down there at seven? No way, no way. That's my point. No way they would. That is my point. It, it is. It's BS. Of course it is. <laughs> it's complete well, BS. Well, it's this is. And done by the way, I'm I'm an Iowa fan. We we do not hide our biases on this podcast. Nope. I kind of giggled a little bit when I saw Minnesota one spot in front of Iowa with, I was sitting right behind them with two losses. Sure. But then I also feel like I need, I owe it to the college football universe to look at this from a Switzerland point of view. And I can't help but look at this and say, that's just crap. Yeah. It's just crap. Well, it's, it's all put on by ESPN. So of course it's going to be crap. Um, so I got one more beef to pick here. Indiana University, not ranked. I, I, you're going right into my notes. Um, yeah. I mean, so I'm, I've am i got teams listed out. See, I think you could start in at number 18, which, by the way, is Iowa. Yep. And go from 18 to 25. I will either take Indiana on a neutral field or I feel very confident about how the game would look. And keeping in mind, Penix just got injured, but this is... This is this includes panics. Correct. Up to, the, up up to, this, to this point, because right. And and by the way, have you have you looked at the stats between Penix and Peyton Ramsey? Hey, Ramsey's a damn good quarterback. They are almost almost identical. Identical. Yeah, I've never I believe seen it. You couldn't you couldn't plan it out to be as exact as they are. But yeah, Indiana. So Iowa's best win, Iowa State, uh, Wake Forest. What is their best win? Florida State. They just fired their coach. It's probably Ooh. not going to make a bowl. NC State, Boston College, what's their best win? None of them good teams. Cincinnati, what's their best win? UCLA or UCF? Yes. Yeah. UCF's okay? Yeah, I guess UCF, okay. I suppose. Memphis, their best win's SMU. They play no defense. Yeah. Boise State, their best win, also Florida State. Look yep. at Boise State's schedule. It's, no, it's atrocious. It is abysmal. So, How does, so if, if schedule matters, then Indiana should be ranked. Indiana should be ranked. I think it's funny because a lot of the conversation on Twitter is aimed at Minnesota. And, and it should be. I get it. I think there is just as much BS going on that Indiana is not ranked. I think so, too. I think it's just as much. Of I mean, a have crap. you looked at Navy's schedule, by the way? Uh, Navy. It's I, garbage. I, and you know how much I love Kenny. You know, it's funny because I, I kind of stopped myself right there because I thought maybe it was getting to be boring podcasting. But what I have down for Navy, not one. They do not have one good win. No. Look, Holy cross. ECU, Air Force, Tulsa, USF, Tulane, and UConn. That's awful. And not to mention Oklahoma State. And then they lost. They have a loss to Memphis. Right. And Oklahoma State lost to Texas and Texas Tech. Oklahoma State's six and three. I know. Indiana's seven and two. Right. I mean, it's weird. 
they had a good showing versus Michigan State. It's not like they got blown out in that game. They're only, you know, quote unquote, you know, black eye on their schedule is Ohio State blowing them out. Well, there's a couple teams on this ranking that have been blown out by Ohio sure. State. Another thing to point out here is rankings matter. I mean, that's something that I've kind of got puffy chesty with before as far as pointing out. You know, you need to be in the top 12 to in order to get one of the open spots for the big bulls okay. at the end of the year. So kind of like you already pointed out in this podcast, starting behind, you're starting behind yeah. to get to one of those bowls. Right. So that is another reason why getting devalued on your rankings, whereas somebody like Florida at 10, Auburn at 11, I, I they got two losses, both of those teams. Yeah. You know, they have a leg up right now to get to one of those bowls. Of course. Right. Yeah, so that's what you're going against, Gopher fans. So, and then here's the thing, though. This is probably ultimately what upsets me the most. We're about to talk to we're about to talk about Big Ten football games here in a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you know what we got going on in the Big Ten? We have some really good conference races. There are multiple teams that are ah, still I think I know what you're getting at here to win their conference. But we don't hear about that in the no, podcast. No, because it doesn't matter anymore. Right? Doesn't matter. It's yeah. point it's worthless. No, don't care. Nobody cares about Let's talk more about should we go to eight than who yep. could possibly win this conference's division or that conference's division. Uh, you know, one of the biggest reasons I dislike the playoff is because it just takes away from everybody that's not in contention for the playoff. It, yep. take, it, it devalues every other team. It devalues the Bulls. It devalues the, the conference champions. Nothing is as important as it used to be. No. The only thing that matters now is the college football playoff. And it's it is – I don't know how you can be – a talking head, the phrase everybody uses, for college football. Somebody that th they draw their paycheck because of college football, whatever that, yep. however that person is, right? Whether on the four-letter network or whatever. I don't know how you can sit there and do that for a living and not understand that there needs to be more health throughout the entire sport than just the top seven or eight teams. I don't know. They're, I don't know how I don't know how you can sit there and look into the camera and say that. But they do it. Yeah. They don't seem to care. All right. That's Would you say this is less biasy though than in years past? That's how I would view it, yes. Yeah. Um so I, I would say and most of that probably comes from Ohio State being put number one and Penn State being put fourth. But I wonder if it has to do with the makeup of, of the committee too. Yeah, a little bit more. So the Oregon A D Rob Mullins, the yep. he's the he's the chair this year. Only two out of the 13 are, have ties to the SEC. There's really only one true Big Ten, but there's three Pac-12, two ACC, so maybe a little better representation. I, I, don't I know. hope, yeah, because yeah. um, there is a – I don't know if it was a tweet or something I read in an article that said, you know, it's. I find it curious that ever since Fox was able to – wrestle away the game the michigan ohio state game away from espn right about the time that happened <laughs> guess what the big tens had a hard time getting into the playoffs yeah Are, is there a direct link between the two happenings i can't say that but it's a good good conspiracy theory it's quite the, i like it it's quite the conspiracy theory all right man you want to move on yeah Should let's we talk get, about football games let's do some games all right well, moving on to the games we've got five of them these are all take place on Saturday, November 9th. There are four teams that are idle. Number 14, Michigan. Indiana, that should be ranked. 
Nebraska and Rutgers. All right, so we've got no night games this weekend. Yeah. Not not one. No night games. I don't like that. Okay. Yeah. You just like them spread out. I like them spread out, and I like one I like one Big Ten game to look forward to at the end of the day. Okay. You, you, you don't feel that? I don't. I'm not saying I don't like night games. It's just nice to kind of be done watching and, and like real. So Big Ten, I'm focused. I'm. It's like I'm working too. I'm having yeah. fun, but I'm working. Yeah. And then at the end, it's end of the day. You know, knock back a sure. bourbon. I can do that. And just watch some watch some Pac-12 after dark. Yeah. It's I just, mean, it's kind of relaxing. My day ends when I fall asleep on the couch. Watch. You know, I typically wake up at. 2.30 in the morning, and the TV's still on. I just have to shut it off and go to bed. That, yeah. That's when my day ends, and I very much like it when it's a Big Ten game, but I guess we'll soldier through this weekend. But, yeah, we got so we got three early games and two afternoon games. We're going to be saving one of the early games for the end of the breakdowns here. So, first up, the Maryland Terrapins at 3-6. and six. Taking on the newly number one ranked Ohio State Buckeyes at 8-0. This is an 11 o'clock a.m. game on Fox. The line, a robust <laughs> 42 points. The over-under is 63. Oh, mercy. Uh, yards per play differential, negative 1.0 for Maryland. Positive 3.6 for Ohio State. Wow. Okay, Ohio State's 5-0 and all-time in this series. All of them have taken place since Maryland has joined the Big Ten. Last year, of course, we had that thriller, the Ohio State victory, 52-51 to in College Park. The four prior meetings, the average score of this, you know, of course, all won by Ohio State, 56-15. to Okay. Which is right at well, that spread. Yes. I, I was literally just going to say, so with the – with the Buckeyes being favored by 42, the over-under at 63, what they're saying is this is a 53-10 to 10 football contest. That's that's pretty much what the numbers bear out right Yeah, does okay. That not, does that not sound about right? Yeah, yeah it does. It and, does sound about right. And here's the other thing that I can't help but think. This is the spread for Maryland. Sweet baby Jesus, what is it going to be with the <laughs> <Rutgers>. records? <laughs> Well, okay. I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah. Because this is the biggest spread in the Big Ten since at least 1980. Like, the records start getting a little shady before then. Yeah. But if if you can definitely go back to 1980 and look at spreads, and this is the biggest one. Not even. I. Thank you for looking that up. I was going to ask you to make sure you find. Does this surprise you at all that this is the biggest spread? It's. It's. I think it's more about the dominance of Ohio State or the. The putrid play. I of think Maryland. it's a little more about the dominance of okay. Ohio State, don't okay. you? I mean, yeah. there's been plenty of putrid teams in the past. That's true. Yeah, and um, I think the spreads are probably a little bigger now than they used to be because the offenses are so wide right. open nowadays. Right. Um, you know, looking at this game, obviously, there's not much more we can say on how dominant and amazing Ohio State has looked all season long. There's not much more we can say on just how subpar Maryland has been playing. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing, here's a stat just to bore this out. So Maryland scored more points in its first two games. They scored 142 points in their first two games than they've scored in the seven games since then. Oh, Lord. They've scored 124 points since the first two games. Another way of looking at it is their first two games, they averaged 71 points a game. Ever since then, pulling Rutgers out, Okay. Okay. So they scored 48 
of the okay. 124 points versus Rutgers. Yeah, that's that's an outlier. That's an outlier. So pulling that out, they've scored 13 points a game. Wow, I would, I'm so surprised we're, we're, at 13. <laughs> you didn't think it was that much. No. I mean, they got blank versus Penn State. They barely. The only reason they put seven points up last week versus Michigan was because of a kickoff return right. for a touchdown. Um, I, I'm just – so 42 is huge, obviously, right? How long – when it spreads that big, how long are the starters going to play is yeah. always my question. I mean, we are certainly getting into the – once you're up 35-3 to – Oh, just but here's the thing. I think think about thirty five to three. It could be thirty five to three middle of the second quarter. Yeah, they're still going to be. It's not like Ohio State's backups coming in. There's nothing wrong. You could. I've seen it before. Okay, let me tell you a story. I'm not sure if I've told this on the cast before. 2005, I was at Penn State at Illinois. Okay, uh, Zucker's first year. It was a horrible team. Uh, really good is the Michael Robinson team for Penn State. They were up. Uh, it was ended up being fifty-six to nothing at halftime. The one thing, the one saving grace, I will always thank Joe Pa for this. He took his starters out midway through the second quarter. Midway through the second, the second quarter, they were out before halftime, well before halftime. Wow! And at the time, I was like, "Thank you, Joe Pa." Wow. And and they just like they they were just plowing into the line like they were tr- just trying to speed the game up as much as possible in the second half so i think it was 63 to 7 was the final yeah they were I trying mean, not to obviously score obviously in high school that's uh the coaches meet at halftime and say you know when do you want to start the running clock yeah i guess you just don't do that division one no, football but it was basically a running clock <laughs> yeah. from joe pa so um, i mean th- you could do that yeah but that would that game was that would have been a cover here yeah I don't know. I tell you what, um, the only thing I kind of like in this game is the under 63, simply because I could see Maryland just just not scoring. Um, so at that point, Ohio like, State would essentially have to win 45 to nothing to cover. I can see that, by the way. There's enough gap in there. Sure. Um, I, I will say, though, Maryland moved the ball against uh, Michigan a little bit more than the the and the scoreboard looked at the end. They, mm-hmm. the, the yardage was, they put up versus Michigan last week was decent. The problem is they're not catching Ohio State in a good spot. Ohio State was idle last week. Right. They just got to be a number one ranking. They probably want to prove that a little bit. And yeah, and things just keep getting worse for Maryland. I mean, quarterbacks playing terrible. Offensive line is terrible. The running game is just not what it used to be. But I think if they want to have any chance you got to run the ball they can't just air it out and try to beat ohio state can they no but you can't i mean neither neither way really works does it it does not to to even keep it close you have to try to run the ball though you have to i mean i mean that's the bread and butter jackson i don't mean to laugh but josh jackson dropping back to pass with chase run chase young coming around the edge and jeffrey okuda dropping back into a cover three zone that makes me he's nervous. gonna. They're gonna get terrorized when they're on offense. Yes, absolutely terrorized. Yes. So that's why I like the under because I can simply see Ohio State crushing them so much defensively. Because again, we're we always talk about you. You typically on a dominant team, you start talking about their offense. I'm still not convinced the offense is better than the defense for Ohio State right no, now. No, I'm not either. So Maryland just will not score in many points. So I would take the under, and if I had to, I would take Ohio State to cover the forty two. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. yeah. But here's the here's the question I have. 35 to 3, right? You're you're only 7 points away from them, you know, 
or 35 to nothing, excuse me. Okay. At yeah. 35 to nothing and it's middle of the second quarter, you think they're going to cover the 40? Yeah, I think so. I, I, but what I, I guess my question is, what does Ryan Day do when he puts his backups in? Does he still keep running the offense, running the scheme, and, and trying to let them him, get I reps? Can, I, yeah, I can see the backup quarterback getting some getting Gosh, some thrown. I'm really torn on this. I just 42 is so ridiculous. I have to go. I have to go with Maryland okay. and the under. Two more little tidbits here. Ohio State has covered in seven straight games, and they're number one in the country at plus 17.4 points over the margin. Over, over. What what in many cases was already. A substantial correct. spread. Correct. So maybe I should go with Ohio State. I just can't. I got to go with Maryland. Don't mess with the streak. 42, man. That's that's crazy. You know what that deserves? Mercy. That's a mercy right yeah. there. All right. Moving on? Moving on. All right. Next up, we've got the three and six Purdue Boilermakers traveling into Evanston to take on the one and seven Northwestern Wildcats. It's the 11 o'clock a.m. game on Big Ten Network. The Wildcats are favored by two and a half over under 38. All right. Yards per play differential Purdue sitting at a negative 0.6. Not to be outdone by Northwestern at a negative 1.6. This is the ouch yard per play differential game. Two teams in the negative. Yet for conference, I can't imagine. Oh, I'm. Oh, I think so. You think so? Okay. Yeah. All right. But uh, hold on. Purdue fifty and thirty-two overall with one tie. Northwestern's on a five-game streak though. Purdue was twenty-two and three in this series from nineteen sixty-seven to ninety-one. And that's why when you told me the overall just now, I was shocked that it was actually that close. I just always picture just how awful Northwestern was. You know, yeah, back but in the seventies and eighties. Sure, but like nineteen fifteen before, they weren't awful. They I don't weren't? think. Okay. All right. No, but you know, I don't think that I personally give enough credit to how good Purdue must have been in the sixties and seventies. Very good. And for all you Purdue fans out there, if you've got a a book you can recommend on Boilermaker football history, I'd like to read it because mm. I feel like I need to brush up. Because I mean, any every time we do these, they've got a good streak going yeah. in the sixties oh, yeah. and seventies. Like yeah. they we're kicking Iowa's ass. Yep. back then. Oh yeah, I'm sure they were yeah, kicking Purdue Illinois' was, ass too. They were kicking a lot of people's ass back. then. Apparently, yeah. Um, crazy stat: Purdue's last 16 touchdowns have been scored by freshmen. Wow! You have to go back to week three <laughs> to have a non-freshman scored touchdown. Wait, Bryson Hopkins? That was my very first thought. No, he has not. And, and it was, I believe, it was him. Um, I could be wrong with that, but yeah, Bryson Hopkins caught a lot of balls. Not touchdowns. Wow, I don't know how that's possible. Man, he, he's excellent. So that's one of those stats as a Purdue fan. You're like, oh, no. Wait. That's a good thing. That's, that's, that's a good, good. thing. Yeah. Just let let the punishment happen. Yeah. It's going to get better. has been happening. They have been fighting last week. Yeah. They they snatched victory from the jaws of defeat, I think. Absolutely. Versus Nebraska. Um, there are more positive things. When you look at these two teams – Who's got the better defense? Northwestern does. But I just feel like across the board, as far as, you know, snippets of good things that can happen, more are on the ledger for Purdue. I think so, too. Um, my first thought was, how the hell is Northwestern favored in this game? Yeah. And I assume it has a lot to do with the quarterback, with Plummer going out. So, But like you talked on the last podcast. I'm going to say it again here. I don't think it matters that much. Right. I mean, Aiden O'Connell did pretty well when he got in there. Yeah. The guy's got an arm. We talked about preferred walk-on, was going to head to Wheaton College out of Stevenson High School up there in Lincolnshire, Illinois. But 
I think he's enough for them to move the ball. I do too. I mean, at this point, you just have so much faith in a Brom coached quarterback. I mean, he's going to be prepared to play in this football game. Absolutely. Now, is he going to be able to light up the scoreboard? Um, probably not. No. I mean, this over under set at 38 says Vegas doesn't think he will either. Essentially, they're saying uh, Northwestern is going to win 20 to 17. I mean, that's basically what that that says. So then you got to flip it back around. Is Northwestern going to put up 20 points? No, they can't do that. That's I mean, not possible. Now, it's not in them. The one thing you do have to look at is quickly, you know, if you take a quick peruse on Northwestern's schedule, they've been playing some pretty salty defenses. <laughs> sure. For the yeah. past five or That's six That's a good weeks. point. Yes. Because it has been a it's been an awful, you know, uh uh two things coming together for uh Northwestern, meaning a, a bad offense. This is a bad offense, along with playing really good defense. It's, it's been a lot of things pulled together for them. Um, so now we maybe take one away because Purdue's defense isn't fantastic, but, but uh, I don't think it's that bad. I don't think it's that bad either. And they, they at least play hard. Yeah. I mean, Ben Holt, Corey Trice, they, they've got guys out there making plays. Karlaftis yeah. is still healthy. Yeah. Um, now here's something about, so obviously Purdue's going to try to throw the ball, right? Right. That's how they're going to win yep. this game. The Wildcats don't get after the quarterback. They do not. They have one of the lowest sack totals. In the Big Ten, yeah, they just they just quote unquote play good defense. It's not like right. there's something where they force tons of turnovers. That's or, the other or thing, tackles for losses or whatever. So doesn't that seem like the type of defense that's perfectly set up for a Jeff Brom offense? I think and so. A accurate quarterback to just take advantage of. And one of the things I have for Purdue is if they if they play clean, they should win this game. Right. So just keep Aiden from throwing interceptions, which shouldn't be that hard against this defense. Correct. It's just they're, that's not what they do. Right. So I think we're pretty much seeing the same thing here. Truth be told, podcasters, I looked at this uh, line wrong the first time. I just I saw the three and a half. I guess I just two and a half or two and a half. Two and a half. I guess I just assumed Purdue was favored. And then I come to find out. No. Uh, so I already liked Purdue. Yeah. Covering the two and a half. So now that I know that they're oh, yeah. actually getting two and a half. I am very much liking Purdue and the points, and I think I'm going to take the over. And oh, you I, are. I know I'm going to take not not as a a lock to you know get familiar with, mm-hmm. but I can see Northwestern's offense looking a little bit better finally, putting up something crazy like 14, Ooh, 14. points Ooh. in the game. Okay, and and so you're going to get over at that point because I think Purdue is going to at least put up another you know. 14 to 17 points. I, I think Purdue's going to hit a, around 20, and I think Northwestern's going to be under 20, between like 14-ish, somewhere around there. Yep. I like the under. Love Purdue minus the two and a half. Uh, another, here, another thing. I know it's still kind of a long shot, but Purdue still has a bowl game to play for. They do. Northwestern does not. Fair point. Now, I've, I have read this week uh, from our buddy Tim Chapman at Rivals, Wildcat Report, spirits are still high. Northwestern, you know, they're still excited to play football, but how excited can you be if you're really not playing for much anymore? Last year, went to Indianapolis. This year, already know you're not going to a bowl. You can't tell me that hasn't made a made a effect throughout that locker It's room. got to. Yeah. Good? Yep. All right. Moving on, we are into our afternoon games now. First up, the 5-4 and four, Illinois Fighting Illini. 
traveling into East Lansing to take on the 4-4 four and four Michigan State Spartans. This is a 2.30 p.m. game on FS1 line. Spartans by 15 over under 45.5. So that's five wins for Illinois, four losses. Yards per play differential, negative 0.5 for Illinois, positive 0.5 for Michigan State. Michigan State owns the overall lead in this series, 26 to 18 with two ties. Illinois won the last meeting in 2016, 31 to 27. They haven't played since 2016. Right. Okay. That was in Champaign-Urbana. That was that was a lovey coach team. However, they lost 12 of the 13 prior games. Ouch. Illinois got theirs in the 80s. That was their time. They went six straight from 80 to 85. But, boy, without, you know, if we just hadn't lost those 12 games, this yeah. thing would be that damn even. near even. Yeah, darn near even. Uh, so moving on to 2019. All right. Not telling you anything you don't already know about your Illini, but I don't know if maybe you've quite grasped this yet. Okay. Throw this out there and and think about this. Is this right? about us having more wins than losses? It's about the fact okay. that you are five and four. Yes. So that means you are one win away from bowl eligibility, correct? Yes. Fair to say that going into this year, that was the goal. Get to a bowl. That was definitely the goal. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Here's Number one. No matter what happens this weekend, no matter what happens the weekend after that or after that, you will be able to watch a football game the entire month of November that has meaning to it. That has meaning. That's true. Is that a, th- that's a thing? Uh, that's a, what is Don't it? Don't get me wrong. It's a I, thing for me, but it's a thing for the players absolutely, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, now with that being said, the best thing would be to get that six win this weekend. Right now. Right. And I mean, that's don't, don't let it linger on. That's what Lovey said right after their, their win last week. He's like, you know what next week means? We are playing for a bowl game next week. And the, the, Locker room went crazy. So Illinois could get Batiku and Jamal Woods back on the defensive line. They've been playing without them and playing pretty well without them. But those are two of their better guys. And, of course, we talked about Michigan State losing Bocce, the center Matt Allen, Daryl Stewart. So I think Illinois has a shot in this. I'm surprised it's a 15-point spread. Very surprised. Uh, Another stat I got for you. Maybe you even have this one ready to go. So if I beat you to the punch, I apologize. Illinois has forced and recovered. A fumble in all nine games this season. That is the longest active streak in the FBS. The Illini lead the nation with 22 takeaways. Last week, to hammer this home, linebacker Dele Harding, who uh, was the big Defen- player of the week, yep. uh, became the first FBS player this season with at least 10 tackles, one tackle for a loss, two, one forced fumble, one interception, and a touchdown in a single game. That's amazing. I did not know that they had forced and recovered a fumble in every single game. TCU has not had one. Oh, Lord. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Yeah. They're also first in the country in defensive touchdowns at five. They're first in forced fumbles at 17. First in fumbles recovered at 15. They're second in points off of turnovers at 105. They're fourth in turnover margin. And they're sixth in tackles for loss per game. Yeah. Where the hell did this come from? It's all of a sudden just it's like the dam broke. Yeah. And here we are. Um, so taking those those amazing defensive stats, which are most mostly revolve around turnovers. Correct. Yeah, correct. That is what it's going to take to to win this game. It, it is. There's no doubt in my mind. That so you don't Dylan, think they can just play them straight up. No team has turnovers and they win the game. That's not how I see an Illinois win. Yeah, I, that, I guess I don't either. Okay, but here's the thing that here's <clears throat> so really, can they keep this crazy turnover 
train going. And and you know because because eventually it has to. Stop. It has to. I mean, it's it's definitely partly luck. I know there's a lovey ball thing, and they're obviously pulling it off. But part of it is luck too. Part of it, but not. It, but I don't want to chalk that. This is like a seventy thirty with seventy percent of it being coaching and effort. Okay, fair. That's fair. Okay, but yeah, thirty percent luck. You know, close to a third. That's that's so, that's some luck. I mean, it's like in basketball shooting threes. You're eventually going to have an off night shooting. Correct. You're going to have an off night on turnovers. So is this when it happens? Um, and then on the other side, another thing that you know errs in the favor of Illinois. Where is Michigan State's psyche? I mean, is this the most forgotten team in the Big Ten right now? You know, it's got more be. preseason Big Ten. It, it was. Yeah, thank you for pointing that out, everyone. <laughs> I figured it was the best time to bring it up because they're playing. All right. Illinois. It's a good it's a okay. good time. I did pick Michigan State to to win the East. I'm sorry, man. I'm an, All right. Go I'm, ahead. I'm, laugh I'm it a up. dick. Um but seriously, they have it's like they've fallen off the map. I yeah. mean, you're talking about all these I mean, there's six teams ranked in the Big Ten. We think there should be seven. You're not even bringing up Michigan State. Um if they at least had the win over um uh, Arizona State, they could be sure. sitting at a little bit more respectable five and three, yeah. and they wouldn't be much more of a threat in the Big Ten East. But at least they're playing for like a better bowl. I mean, they got to win uh, uh, two of their last four games just to get bowl eligible at this point. All of the ugliness that's happening, we're not speaking on opinion right now. Th- these are just facts of the right. things that are going on. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. In fact, Illinois is a team that's kind of gaining steam right now, whereas Michigan State is losing it. However, Michigan State's last three opponents were all top ten opponents. Correct. Ranked four, eight, and sixth in the country when they played them. Um, is Could it be possible that Illinois' defense is not quite as good as we're giving them credit for and that Michigan State's offense isn't quite as bad as we're giving them credit for. I actually agree with that. Yeah. That was going to be a point that I was going to make. Um, the one thing I would say, though, I'm not sure Michigan State's defense is as good as no, people it's definitely give not. credit for. Here's it. a little it's... fun fact for you. Did you know both of these teams have 22 sacks on the season? Really? Would you have guessed that? No, I would not have. Nope. Yeah, especially with the first two, three weeks of the season, how these teams' defenses looked. And I want to say, I, I don't know, have the exact numbers in front of me, but I want to say it's like they have like an 80-yard difference in yards per game okay. defensively, yeah, which I wouldn't have guessed. Now, Illinois has a pretty bad rush defense um, statistically, but me personally, I trust their rush defense more than I trust their pass. I do too. So in that sense, I think Michigan they State – They have to get home with the pass rush because if yep. whatever team out there that could just you know theoretically – uh, block or uh, uh, pass block all day long with no whiffs or anything, they would light this secondary up. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I think that plays well to Michigan State. Lewerke is a pretty good passer. They're without uh, Daryl Stewart. Here's an interesting one for you. Their uh, leading receivers, Daryl Stewart, second Cody White, right? Cody White's healthy. Next to the third and fourth on their team are the tight ends, Siebert and Dotson. After that, so the second best wide receiver that's going to play in this game is C.J. Haynes. He has 12 catches on the year for 117 yards. Mm. Yikes! But yeah. that, that's got, that's how they're going to win this game. I think throwing the ball on Illinois. Yes. Well, I think they can really yeah. use those tight ends, especially against Illinois linebackers in coverage. Illinois linebackers have gotten much better in coverage, but I would still go after them. This f- has this game has the feel of a, a little bit of helter skelter going on to me, as in. This kind of feels like the similar to the Nebraska Purdue game 
last week. Okay. If you're gambling on this, it's because you love living life on the edge. So throw <laughs> okay. some money on it. Um, yeah. I would the of anything I like the most, I would take the under because I do feel like enough defensive uh, the uh, the defenses for both teams will show up enough to limit the scoring. Well, Michigan game. State is playing, so I'm taking the under. Yep, and I need to see more consistency out of Peters. Like we need to see a 14 of Absolutely. 20 game, yeah. 225 yards. Like I, we just we so his. His percentage for it's been bad. No, he's he's got to step his game up. Their running game is not what it was last year. So to win this game, I think he has to have a good game. Yeah, I think he's got to complete you know fifty five to sixty percent of his passes for a couple touchdowns. He has not really won a game for them. You know, like really passed all over somebody since what Akron, right? I guess. Yeah, which was one of the worst teams in the country. So yeah, he's got to show up. This so is his game. That would I completely agree with that assessment. Um, do I think he could show up? You know, I'm not saying he's going to look awful. I just don't see it this being the game where he's going to just break out. So that is a big reason for me. So, like I said, I like the under the most. I am going to take uh, the Illini in the points, but I think the Spartans pull this game out for the for the win. Yeah, I definitely like the Spartans to win the game. I like Illinois uh, plus the 15, and I like the under all right moving on to our second afternoon game this is a good one number 18 iowa at six and two traveling into Cheeseland to take on number 13 wisconsin also at six and two this is a three o'clock p.m game on fox badgers by nine and a hook over under 38.5 all right, yards per play differential, Iowa at 1.0 in the positive. Wisconsin, positive 2.3. Wisconsin owns the overall lead in the series. Really close one here, 47 and 43 with two ties. These two teams only met four times in their first 25 years as conference foes. Yeah, yeah I'm not yeah, playing that see? bastard, Johnson. I'm not going on there, see? Slap my wife's ass at the governor's ball. <laughs> yeah, that, that's right, see? Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, uh, oh, and those four games, UW won all of them. Now, Iowa had a 10-game win streak between 85 and 96. Yeah. Those were the days, man. This is a rivalry here. This is a rivalry, and <clears throat> it's been a streaky rivalry by decades. 80s yes. one team, 90s the other, 2000s, the early 2000s, by the way, which wasn't you know ancient history, was 2000 to 2009, Iowa owned Wisconsin. Starting 2010, it's flipped over to Wisconsin. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. That's how this, is, this has been. Um, so at the spread of nine and a half and so the did over, that, did that surprise that you? That surprised little? me. Yeah, me too. I, I had guessed it seven to seven and a half uh, yeah. and it started at 10. So it came down Oof. a half point. Yeah. I mean, um, so yeah, with, uh, Badgers favored by nine and a half and the over under at 38 and a half, they're saying about a 24 to 14 game. Yeah. Which surprises me a little bit. I feel like that's too big of a spread in a heated rivalry like this. Yeah. And especially with there hasn't been because if this goes over 10 points, I guess one would think it would go over 13, 14 at at that point. That's basically a blowout in this series. They just don't happen very often. Well, and. And not to mention, you're talking about a team, Iowa, that's ranked uh, what, 17th in the country we talked about earlier. And I feel like Iowa's defense is really underrated. Yeah. They don't get a whole lot of play nationally. What was the stat that like they held five teams to their lowest point totals? Yeah, I think it's six, the, teams six teams in the year that 
that's if you impressive. look through those six teams' schedules, the lowest point total is when they played Iowa. That's, yeah. That's a thing. That's There's something like, to like that. that. Like, even more than just uh, yards per play or points per game, That that's a stat that you can kind of look at. Absolutely. Um, looking at this game, this is – we 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 flirted with this being the Big Ten game of the week simply because whoever loses this game is done. I mean, I guess there is a – mathematical possibility that one of them could get into Indianapolis. Just but highly unlikely. It at is that just point. extremely unlikely. This is essentially a knockout game. In this the is West. a knockout game. And if that happens to the Badgers, suddenly they go two years without getting Indianapolis. So oh, that's kind of crazy. What a drought. Those poor Badger fans. And if it happens to Iowa, that'll now be four years for them without getting to Indianapolis. So, Trust me, this is a this is a circle game for both fan yep, bases. Both, both uh, teams are going to be up for this game. So Iowa, like I said, great defense. They can stop the run and make Cone, Cone beat that, or at least if they're set up to do that. This is the recipe. You're convinced of that? No, no, no. But this is the recipe to yeah. beat Wisconsin, and this is a team that's set up to do that. Can they do that? I don't know. That's what we're going to see. Now, the Hawks don't really get after the quarterback, so can Cone beat them? Well... I, I let's go back to the first point because that is there's two there's two parts of this game that it comes down to to me. The first one is can Iowa's defense I'm gonna say shut down Jonathan Taylor. I don't think they'll but, shut him down, but, but, but you... drastically reduce him. Yep. That's the game right there. I think if so. They, if they can't, brother, I don't see this working out for the <laughs> no, Hawkeyes. No. You know, and I think a a permissible stat line would be something like 120 yards and a touchdown. Right. You can you can still win the game with that. Okay. And but if this gets up to be 178 yards and two touchdowns, no, they're not winning that. It's not going to look good. But even at the 120 and one touchdown, I think Nate Stanley has to play a good game. Damn that. And Nate Stanley cannot turn the damn ball over. That That is part of the recipe for them to win this game, too. And you beat me to the punch because that was the second thing. I mean, can Nate Stanley finally have a good game? in a big game that produces a big win for Iowa. It is time, Nate Stanley, you got to do it. Yeah. This is your he's he's from Menominee. This is the That's right, he's from Wisconsin. He gets to gets to beat his home state Badgers. I mean, well, it's just a huge game. And he's 0 and 2 versus the Badgers, yeah. right? And he's completed only 34% of his passes against the Badgers. Yeah. And if I'm if I'm really going to do a microcosm into what to look for in this game, th- so both teams coming off being idle. So that's yep. another another game this year where you have that. Um I'm not typically I don't think I'm overly optimistic. I think sometimes I'm a little bit more pessimistic to my favorite sports teams and in this case I don't know I kind of think this favors Iowa they got a little bit healthier along the offensive line during the during the off break and what has been really an issue for Iowa as far as the passing game and I think which has led to the Stanley interceptions is is just their ability to pick up blitzes and twisting and and with the stunts and on the front seven um what is Wisconsin love to do move their linebackers around come in a lot of zone blitzes I mean most of their pressures and sacks come from their linebackers Mm -hmm. which is a very good linebacker crew does this give Iowa a chance to get their feet underneath them during the idle week really work I mean the entire season is being poured into this game plan right here I'm sure for both teams but on the other side 
I don't really know what an extra week of preparation is going to help Wisconsin out anymore. There's nothing that they're going to work on for two weeks that they can get covered in one week versus Iowa. I just, I'm just saying, I think there's more to pull out for Iowa coming off the idle week. Well, I do, and I wonder if if this line is an insult to the Hawkeyes. Do you think they even? I, it seems high to me. Seems high to me. Yes, a little it bit. Is. Let me answer that. Yes. Okay. It is. So the other thing, being a rivalry. Iowa's not played that well offensively, but maybe this is what they need to break them out of that slumber offensively. Yeah. Um, I don't think Brandon Smith, the, I don't know about our t- most talented wide receiver. I mean, most Smith productive Marset, though. Most productive. Uh, I don't think he's going to play. I'd be shocked if I saw him playing on Saturday afternoon. Um, it would be nice to have him back. That, that bums me out. Um, I think if there is a distinct advantage for Iowa in just one part, it's special teams. Wisconsin special okay. teams have just been okay. Iowa's have been, I think, really pretty darn good. That is where we're going to have to see something. Is this the game where finally the aforementioned Amir Smith-Marset breaks out, has a big uh, kickoff return? Maybe they put him back on punt return to get a, a, a you know big play happening in the game it's going to take something like that in my mind mm. for Iowa to pull off the win and for Wisconsin I just say dance with the one that brung you hand it off to JT all day long and then bring pressure relentlessly yep. with your linebackers that's what that's what you do and if if you if it doesn't work well damn we coach on. we lost uh with that being said i actually think i like the over i just i feel like there's going to be more yeah. points put in this game this doesn't feel like a 17 to 14 type of game i know to me. that's how i feel too it feels a little bit more like a 27 to 21 game yeah to me i'm gonna take iowa to cover but i've got to see something out of nate stanley for me to predict iowa to win so i predict wisconsin to win but iowa to cover i got iowa covering got the over Count nine and eight. Make me some money. I hope so. All right. That gets us to the. Two eight and O teams. The number four ranked Penn State Nittany Lions coming into our town to take on the number 17th ranked Minnesota Golden Gophers. This is a 2.30 p.m. game on ABC. Line Nittany Lions by seven over under 48. Hmm. Yards per play differential. A couple good ones here. Plus 1.8 for Penn State, plus 1.9 for Minnesota. About Penn, that. Penn State leads the overall nine to five. All of those since Penn State joined the Big Ten. Glenn Mason, four and four in this in yes. this series when he was yes. coach. Uh Jerry Kill, one and oh. Brewster, Wacker, and Clay is all over. Yeah. But never should have fired Mason. I've been saying it for <laughs> 15 years. Yeah. Never should have fired him. But I'm glad he's on Big Ten Network. Right? No, I like Mason. I think he does a good job. Um, so Vegas is saying that this game's going to be about 28 to 20 Penn State. Right. That sounds sounds about right. About right. Don't you think? Um, but the one thing I want to say is I do feel like the general tenor of Twitter is People are just writing this up as a loss to the Gophers already. Is I that, think the is Gophers that, are going to compete. I think it'll be a close game. I think they'll be right in this game, I right think, to the end. I think the seven-point dog and the fact that they are also sitting at number 17, whew, as if they didn't have enough fuel for the fire coming into this game and coming off an idle week, oh, boy, that's going to do it for Okay. Him. Oh, by the way, Penn State. Also coming off an idle week, coming right. into this game, they've as done well. a great. 
Big Ten's done a they, great no, job. I mean, this is a purposeful thing that they're doing here. Yeah, and they're doing a good job with by it. The, and, and by the way, just another thing to kind of point out, I'm almost positive this is the first time in the AP era that two sets of eight no teams are playing each other. Yeah, I think I saw that game. as well. I so believe- that's pretty obviously Alabama, LSU, the other one. It's pretty cool. Um so I was wondering, you mentioned Minnesota and their slap in the face ranking of number seventeen. Yep. Um and then I was thinking, well what about Penn State? Are they gonna be getting too confident? And I'm like, no, hell no. I don't think so. They they want to stay Franklin, in the top not, four. That is I mean Franklin's you know, motto, Minnesota, 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 Minnesota. Yep. That is – that's a thing, by the way. He's not doing it just – I don't know. It's does not he a do PR that, thing. Does he do that every week? Every single week for oh, every I, team. I didn't realize yeah, that. Was, I mean, I saw him doing it this week. I didn't realize that yeah, was a weekly was thing. New Mexico State, New Mexico State, New Mexico State, if that's who they're playing. Yeah, same thing. <laughs> uh, no, I mean – So he has that, and PJ's got his 1-0 championship Penn State season. Yes. It's, they've, they're each basically doing the same thing. Yeah. But, no, I think Penn State – is going to be just as fired up for this game. I do as too. Minnesota. I do too. Well, I might give a little bit of edge to to the uh, the Gophers in this case because they've got a lot to prove, and they're sick of hearing that they haven't played anybody. I mean, for Pete's sake, they got to fight for positivity and and headlines just in their own town. Right. If you beat the number four team in the country and get to nine and zero that's how you get there. I mean, there's, there's no denying it at that point. Um, you know, here's another thing that I, I, I think of, and this is just kind of, you know, you tend to compare your own fandom to, you know, a different team or whatever. Sure. This is, it reminds me a little bit, obviously we've talked about this before of the 2015, uh, Iowa team that went 12 and 0. And the funny thing is, is Iowa got beat by Michigan state who was also in the top five or whatever yep, was in going the championship into that game. game, the big 10 championship. Yep. They got more respect in that loss hmm. than they did in any win that year, even though they beat, right. beat like seven bowl teams and three ranked teams or whatever it was. Could we have something like that here with Minnesota where, you know, just throwing something out there, Nittany lions win 28 to 27 and people say, wow, that Minnesota team is for real. Maybe they even move up in the rankings yeah. in the college I mean, football playoff rankings. It wouldn't be the craziest. If they lost 28 to 27, I would say they probably would get a little bit more credibility, which is weird. But right? But they probably would. They probably the would. But yeah. I, I think they've got a good shot to win this game, too. Um, so this is going to be the best defense that Minnesota has faced, right? Not, I mean, Not even close. Question. And it's also the first-ranked team they've played. Could they run into a buzzsaw here? There is potential for a buzzsaw. Okay, now Penn State, this is probably the best offense that they've had to face, don't you think? Yes. And well, up there. Pretty damn close. Yeah. It's it's a little bit more debatable with that. It's more debatable, but I'm going to say that it probably is the best offense because they've been getting better too. They they're, they're playing their best football right yep. now. That's a good point. But this is the third ranked team that Penn State has played so far this year. So they've been through the fire. More battle-tested. Yes. Along with battle-testing, uh, who do you trust more, Sean Clifford or Tanner Morgan? Boy. Debating. It's that I'm, I'm debating it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, obviously Clifford is the more physically talented, but playing within the system that, that Minnesota has, I think they do a great job of just asking him to do what he does best, and and he produces. I it's a toss-up for me. It's a toss-up. Okay. Um, it is not a gigantic swing, but a definite check mark for me. 
for Sean Clifford okay. in this game. Now, one thing that I mean, would his, you look at his stats, they're not great. I understand, but he's a gamer. He is a gamer, a little bit but more. so is Tanner. I agree. To, I'm not. This isn't a besmirching of Tanner. Okay. This is just more of a defending tip of the hat, my Tanner. Tip of the hat to Clifford. Um, the other thing I'd like to point out is a way to make the uh, night or the uh, uh, morning comfortable for Sean Clifford is a raucous crowd, raucous crowd, raucous. Yeah. And right now, as of Wednesday night, when we're it's recording, not going to be real raucousy, will it? We're still not sold out. So I am talking to uh, you, Don. The 52-year-old from Farmington whose daughter went to the U, go to the game. I'm talking to you, Jason, in Bloomington. I'm making these people up, by the way. Okay. 38-year-old who played football in college locally, go to the go game. Go to the game. Or you, Brandon, lives in Uptown. Ah, uh, Brandon, he's so annoying. You got nothing better ah. to do. Go to the game. Millennials. Right? Yeah. Is that not? Don't you agree? Absolutely, I agree. I'm but thinking about going to this game. I'm. I was thinking about it too. Yeah. Crazy. Like this is potentially one of the best sporting events that has been in the twin cities. I mean, you know, you got to take out the super bowl or whatever, but like, this is a big, it deal. is weird. I mean, when you, when you factor in a local team, I know this it, is a gigantic deal. It, it, one thing you can say for the Gophers fan base, they are a little bit sleepy. Yeah. Well, don't you think like, I, how, I, I how can you not it. sell this game? Out? Yeah. And by the way, one of the things you hear on Twitter, why it's tough to get people to, to go. Hunting season started this weekend. Uh, well, see, that's not an excuse. <laughs> I don't think that is either. But it's just I'm not a hunter. Excuse. I don't have anything against it. I just, it's just crazy to me. All right. So, anyways, back to the breakdown of the game. Here's the thing that I just cannot get away from. Okay. I still don't trust this offensive line for Minnesota. Yeah, oh, you know, it, it, I, I, I w- don't even have that in my notes, and I absolutely. I, I it's mean, like, I know. Mottos, do, do do they get? They, have they have the has the offensive line gotten better along with the rest of the gopher team? Yes, they they have looked better. And I don't I don't mean to to do this. I, I'm going to jump in the ugly pond that gophers are sick of being in, but Maryland, Rutgers, a didn't look like they were ready to play Nebraska team. Holy cow, we are we are taking a big step up to this Penn State front seven. And yeah, those, Penn State those is, ends. Those ends are gonna. And by the way, when you think about those mm. ends, right, you're thinking mostly about a pass rush, which yeah. has been good. Take a look at Penn State's rushing stats. Sure, that they're allowing. Oh, they're they aren't fantastic. allowing anything. The the sneaky part of when Minnesota really started pouring on the points and looking better offensively, what did they start doing better? Running, Running the, the ball. ball. Absolutely. Take away the run from this offense. Oh, it's. It's in gonna, any offense, in that case. Sure. Now, it's of course, as down. a Gopher fan, you're going to get puffy chesty and say, "Dude, we got amazing wide receivers." And I, I, I get it. I but, get but it. Here's the thing: when you know you're passing, they're just going to pin their ears back and come after you, man. Yes. I just do not see these tackles or just the offensive line in general holding up. Sure. And then Tanner Morgan consistently getting away from the rush or just stepping up in pressure to mm-hmm. make throws. Do I think? Uh, uh, Minnesota's wide receivers are good enough to make plays. Heck yes, there are, mm. these are amazing wide receivers. But even the best wide receivers on the planet can be rendered obsolete when your quarterback just can't accurately get the ball. Sure, to them, and right? you can't you can't get open in you know a second and a half. Right, if they're coming if they're coming in that quick, boy. On the other side of the ball, very intriguing there. I don't think there is a, you know, gigantic advantage for either team. No, I don't either. Uh, Minnesota's defense has surprised me for, 
how much they've rose in the rankings for stats in the last month. I'm sorry, but again, you still have to. to well, here's here's what I've got: Penn State's offense versus Minnesota defense. KJ Hamler and, and Fryermuth. That's going to be held to, to take care of both of those guys. I am very excited to see what the human joystick can do on on Saturday morning. And what I said when Penn State played Michigan was, I think what this game da- came down to is Penn State's got the dogs that Michigan doesn't have. I think that's going to be the case again here. Yeah. Now. I just said that they were. It was going to be a close game. It was come, going to come down. The, I still think it's going to be pretty close, but I think you may have just convinced me yeah. to go the other way. Well, I, you just talked me into Penn State. Did I really? Well, I didn't. I didn't set out to do that. What I really like is the under forty-eight. Mm. I don't see a ton of points in this game. I'm going the other mostly way, mostly because I don't see a ton of points coming out of Minnesota. Okay. So I'm going to take uh, the under, and I'm going to take the Nittany Lions to cover. I think this stinks something like a 27 to 13 type of game. Okay. I'm going with the over. Okay. I think it's going to be a little more of a barn burner. Okay. I think I think Minnesota does get something going here. All right, man. That gets us through the games. You got anything else you want to add? Well, one more thing about this game yeah. is it looked like initially the weather was going to be crap, but it seems to be every day that goes by, it looks like it's going to be better, better and better. better. Not, it, it not still could bone chilling cold. It'll nope. be chilly, but dry. But and a little they were bit of sun. But they were talking about a wintry mix right. earlier. Yeah. It's looking like it may not rain at and all. And I don't even know who that would favor, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Yeah. I, that's always bothered me, that term, wintry mix. Yeah? Well, they take the E out of it. Yeah, they do. Why do you do that? I don't know. And I, who I, decided that? Some meteorologist somewhere just wrote down wintry mix, and it just it just. But like the, at some point, they came up with that term. Because yeah. it's, it's like, it's kind of winter, but it's not. So let's just call it a mix. How about a wintry mix? Yeah. But let's. What do you say we drop the e? Weird. Yeah, and then everyone had to agree on that. You at know some what point. I hate the most about a wintry mix? The wintry mix. <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> so you that's don't the, hate... That's worse than snow. You see snow, you picture like a a nice fluffy snow coming down from the sky. When you picture a wintry mix, I just pictured hell on earth. I don't know. I'm gonna go with the wintry mix because it's not gonna stick. You're gonna take the wintry mix I'm, over snow. I'm taking the wintry mix I think over that's snow. Crazy. I just detest snow, and I know that's weird because I live in Minnesota. I don't mind the cold at all. I hate the snow. I'm not a big fan of the snow. I, mean, I don't I'm like it. Uh, I, I don't like it on the sidewalks on the road. I don't like clearing it. I don't like seeing it all winter. Just no. bought a brand new snowblower. I bought a good a new one yeah. last year. It was pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah. What'd you get? Uh, it's a Husqvarna. Oh, I've never heard of it. Oh yeah. I it's... bought a Toro. Okay. Guy said this will last you thirty years. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. I think that gets us to the end. Yeah. All right. I am Jeffrey the Greek. And I'm Big Kurt. This is the Eyes on Big Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.